Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, basking is glory. For he is limitless. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Turnbuckle here on mypodcasthouse.com or whatever you're listening to us on. Thank you for joining us. Got a uh, great sponsor to tell you about too uh, on The Turnbuckle for the next few weeks. But first of all, let me introduce my co-host, or sorry, his co-hosts, Welshie. Very good, eh, Tony? And I love I love that professional intro. I'm glad you'll be able to keep that up for the entire show, this this new era of professionalism. I've done my research. We've got a big guest coming up. Looking forward to it. Where did Lyle, you do how are you, buddy? I'm doing good, mate. Um, I think you could have done it. You could have brushed your hair before coming on the <laughs> podcast, Tony. It's, uh, it is a little bit uh, uh, out of control, isn't yeah. it? It's yeah, it's ISO just... hair, mate. Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. I shouldn't even have brought it up, to be honest. No, no, that's all right. That's okay. Hey, boys, I mentioned we've got a uh, new sponsor for our program for the next few weeks. I'd like to introduce you guys to Talktober. If you follow me on Facebook or you follow I a uh, men's health uh, organisation called The Mail Hug, you know that Talktober is coming up in just a couple of weeks' time. Talktober is all about men talking to other guys, catching up with a mate, making a call to a mate every day for October, just ringing up and saying, how are you? Just finding out, starting a conversation, talking the talk and getting that conversation happening. It's a really important thing as males. We don't do it often enough. And the male hug, uh, making sure that Australians get right behind it with Talktober and uh, us guys start catching up with our mates through that period. We've got a lot of big names who have been supporting it, which is fantastic and plenty more to come. And guys, I know you're uh, big supporters of it as well. And thank you so much for jumping on board. Yeah, I was looking forward to being asked. Um, I do support that. It's a really good um, initiative. And um, I think definitely anything you can do to keep the spirits up, especially in Melbourne at the moment, you should do. Exactly. You're looking yeah. forward well, to the talk yeah, type we, of challenge line? mentioned our mental health and stuff uh, in the past on the podcast and everything. And you know, I think we can, if we can break down the stigma of um, men being vulnerable or weak is you know it's obviously that's the wrong term but you know we can talk about our feelings and still be men it's it's fine um so yeah call a mate text a mate you know and hey once uh covid's all over and i'll be looking forward to a few hugs off my friends as well yeah i'm looking forward to giving you one my friend just as long as you're not lying on that bed uh themailhug.com.au is where you need to go to register for the talktober challenge do it now all you have to do is ring a mate every day for the month of October. 
That's all the challenges about. Well, you also have to pay your phone bill, so you can make that call. Well, that would help too. There's no doubt about that. Um, good show last week, guys. It was a good show last week. A ripper show last week. We had Mark Cage. Mark Cage. <laughs> yes. We did. The, Nas- the national cha- PCW national champion. Um, I got that right last week. You did, Tony. Oh, wrestling has been good the last few weeks. I've been really proud of myself. I've been disappointed because um, it's off brand. <laughs> oh, it's not. This is my heel show. We sell this show on you making these. This, is, this is my heel turn, Welshie. <laughs> <laughs> Give the listeners so, what they want, Tony. You'd need to be a baby face before you can make a heel turn, Tony. That's fair, cool. <laughs> Speaking no, of baby faces, this man definitely <laughs> isn't one. All right, boys, time to catch up with our guests this week. And I think for the first time in the three years and a bit that we've been doing this show, he is the first Commonwealth Games medalist and Olympian that we've actually had on the show. And he's also a pretty good wrestler as well. We welcome to the program, Jake Andrewotha. G'day, Jake. How are you? Very good. I am present and I am here. Excellent. <laughs> and, uh, looking fine and fit as well. How's the, uh, how's the off-season treated you? Terribly. It's, um, I've got no one to sharpen or hone my skills on, so I'm becoming quite dull. You'll get a lot of truth and reality from me, I'm afraid. So, yeah, if you're expecting some, um, some nice answers, you're not always going to get that. So, no, that's okay. oh, I don't care if they're nice as long as they're entertaining. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Um, one thing that I did notice when we called out for questions for you, Jake, um, people, some people weren't aware of your background as a legitimate um, badass athlete. Um, so I think we might start there for the um, uninformed and talk about your background in judo. When did, uh, what age did you start, you know, start taking part in that sport? Oh, I um, actually started at the age of nine. Um, I'm originally a South Australian, so I'm a turncoat, if you will. I've been in Victoria for the last, oh, yeah, 10 years, I'd say. Um, and I started in a small country town of Tumby Bay, which um, if you know your geography, there's near, it's near Port Lincoln um, on the West Coast there. So, um yeah, a very minority sport for a very small kind of town that don't really have those kind of things. So all the cards kind of fell in together when I discovered that. So it's not a massive surprise, even though I don't think I've never not said I am what I am. But um, yeah, I, it's such a small scale in, in terms of Australia. It's a it's a sport that's not really well known. So I'm not surprised when people have said they've never heard of it or realise that I do it, even though I think I've said it every chance I've gotten. <laughs> so, yeah. I was going to ask you why judo. That now makes a bit of sense. It was probably the only martial art in the town, was it? Yeah, exactly. And um, as, you know, the way I present myself, I guess, really, I never really followed with the crowd. So <laughs> growing up where football, country football rules all and... Um, it's the only thing to do for children and I really did not take well to it whatsoever. Um, and I saw that as, um, you know, as, as another option and, you know, being a kid that young always, you know, was very entertained with 
you know, certain action flicks and stuff like that. And I thought I'd give it a go, but it ended up being, you know, I thought I'd be punching and kicking, but it ended up being something much different. So. When did you realize you were good at it? Um, I didn't, it's, it's hard to say because I've, I've always been the bigger kid. So I don't yeah. remember from my earliest memory, I don't remember being under 80 kilos. So I've been for like, I was always the bigger kid. So I guess, sticking with it um and then finally being able to find other kids my age and actually my size that wasn't until then i was able to figure out if i was actually any good or not because for the first i'd say three years of when i started competing i they would set up exhibition fights to fight adults and i was bigger than the adults at that age so i've been my height now is six foot five since i was about 14 years old wow so if that gives that gives you any indication of how big even when I was, you know, from nine years old, I was, I was bigger than my um, coach yeah. by the time I was 10. So um, it was, it was a real, he made a, um, a real big effort to make sure um, I got out into the, I guess you'd say judo community. Some people, especially in sports, you encounter that a lot where uh, it's a usually a closed minded mentality. They've got someone that they see has potential or something like that. They want to keep them all to themselves yeah and take credit for it. But where the best thing I think the coach, my coach did for me was he got me out there, got me exposed to a bunch of different minds and stuff like that. And didn't take um, offense to anything that they were teaching me, but he, he was really good on keeping me on track like that. Sorry, Lyle, I was going to say, I think it's safe to say that I'm probably the only person in this room that's actually seen Jake at both the London Olympics and also the Glasgow Commonwealth games. When I was reporting for... Have you really? Yeah, I was at both of those events and watched you, unfortunately, lose your first round event in London. Yeah. And then don't, go on and win the bronze. Don't bring that up. Let's go. Hey? Oh, sorry. Every cloud has every cloud has its silver lining, I think. I think I, I always say that the Olympics was um, set up for the Commonwealth Games because, um, as you know, if you've ever experienced any of those kind of events, um, it's not something you can replicate in terms of pressure, um, media exposure and just um, the atmosphere of it all. So being 22, um, I was the youngest ever um, heavyweight to qualify for Australia. For the, So my division heavyweight or plus 100 kilos. So um, I think I broke that record by 12 years. No, not 12, 12 10, 10, 12 years. So I think the next... Um, Youngest was, yeah, 30, 32, or might even be wrong. I'm, I can't quite remember. So very young-minded for um, just that experience anyway. Um, but doing that and having that experience, I think, really helped to understand what needed to be done mentally to perform at that level for Com Games. What, what does it feel like to represent your com uh, country like that at such big events? Um, cause like I've, it's, it's hard to say cause technically I've been representing Australia since I was 14 years old. So my, I made my first ever Australian team at 14. So by that time I'd been doing it for years anyway, to a degree. I know it's, it's a bit a lot different then cause especially for a lot of sports, say such as judo, it's most probably the most media attention we'll ever get. And once, you know, the, the event's over, we're kind of discarded to the side pretty much pretty quickly. So, and you know, that the, the care for that's pretty much over. So um, yeah, obviously Olympics is a big, big 
big, big, big difference. But um, that's that's the the one time for me, especially doing these kind of things where it's a surreal moment and it's like you really understand why people give it that hype. It lives up one of the few things in life that live up to that kind of hype of what the actual event is. The 22 year old in the Olympic games athletes village, what's that experience like? I was pretty tame. I've, I'm always been a pretty mild mannered kind of uh, guy to a degree. I've, I've had to have my moments like anyone else, but um, I definitely don't think I went off as the rails as some may have. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but seeing, but seeing some of those, um, some of the most famous human beings on the planet just walking around it must be, must be a surreal experience. Well, here's the thing, and this may come off as come off as very arrogant, but um, especially if you're a combat sport athlete, you don't really give a lot of respect to other athletes. That's fair to enough a certain too. degree, because when you look at it as in, so would have you, in terms of relatability. So. Um, I'd chat to someone from another sport and their complaints of like, Oh, we didn't, we didn't even have a, you know, we only had one physio for this entire trip. I'm like, you guys have a physio. (laughs) So we're we're used to gluing ourselves and, you know, patching ourselves together, not having, you know, kind of access to certain things. So, and we know how hard our sport is in terms of mentally, physically. Obviously, it's one of the the most physically demanding and what you have to be overall athletes to compete at the highest level at, um, I guess, in grappling sports. So in yeah, amateur wrestling, freestyle Greco, um, judo, and I'd, I'd, I'd say put boxing up there as well. Like that's all those things you just can't, you can't, unless you're in there and... Um, on the mats, in the rings, you just can't relate to that experience of what that's like and to go through that day in and day out. So when you hear someone that um, may not even engage with another person in their sport or something like that, try and tell you how tough it is. Unless they run out of their lane. Yeah, yeah, pretty much out of your lane (laughs) or, you know, um, off off the track or something like that. That's the only time, so... Um, because most Australians, most Australians do grow up playing team sports. Most of us, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of individual sport in Australia, but I assume with combat sports, um, you're standing there and there's another guy across from you, and it's it, it's very much man versus man or woman versus woman. Um, how much of, is there a psychological battle before the grappling begins? Oh, 100%. Um, it's most probably the largest part of the preparation um, or part of the game, really, because really you can, a big thing we used to say is like, you, you know, you can train so much, do everything you can. Um, the results are already determined two weeks before the events even occurred um, in terms of physicality and stuff like that. It's just, it depends who turns up on that day. Uh, I know for myself being full um, and being able to, I say, look back on my career, my biggest weakness, I- I guess you'd say was um, mental strength and mental maturity um, in some instances. Um, I dare say if I stuck with it now, I think I, I feel like I'd be almost better now if I stuck with it in terms of the aspect of being able to switch and turn on at the right times. And, but um, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. I, I, it, like I said, really, that's what I mean. Unless you've um, competed at a certain level, you said not many people can really relate into 
what the ups and downs of what can occur. Like it's um, it's pretty daunting. Um, I've had some really pretty hard moments, um, and it's not something that's really enjoyable at times. And it's one of those things that um, you can only endure for so long. And that's most probably one of the big factors in why I gave up. Well, not gave up. I retired and moved on. So, but just going through that. Um, the build up, so you know, you can do everything physical, but then there's the mental build up to the day of the competition, and all you want to do is just go out there and fight and get it done and over with. But the ag- most agonising part is those hours just before getting onto the mat and um, trying to maintain a level of um, you know aggression whilst you know still thinking clear, keeping your game plan, all these things into a I guess a chemical balance that's going to come out to a certain way on the map, but um, which unfortunately doesn't always unfold the way that you hope. The one thing that I was surprised about when I went and saw you in London was the crowd reaction. The only exposure I'd ever had to tournament martial arts was watching the Karate Kid, so I didn't sort of know what to expect. But the, I might as well have been at Thornbury Theatre, boys. The, the crowd goes off. Yeah, it's um, especially if... Um, it's one of the few moments that I guess, you know, get to enjoy the crowd because especially with judo um it's not something you'd think is a spectator sport if you don't know it yeah. too well but like i've been fortunate enough to go to a lot of um uh comp- competitions in japan so actual in-house universities and stuff like that where they have their massive championships like that completely different atmosphere so you know where they have their own chance so you know what you'd expect like a mexican wave at the footy or something like that they have all their own certain things and the way you know, the traditions of how they chant for yeah. how they watch a fight. That's completely, you, you can't experience anywhere else. Um, Germany on its own is a different thing entirely as well. They've got their own way of doing the very vocal. Um, so it's, it's um, that alone, because I'm not exposed, wasn't exposed to it that much um, was a thing to get my head around entirely as well. So. Yeah. I mean, you had the rock music in the, in between bouts and all that sort of stuff. It was a real atmosphere, which was amazing. Mm, 100%. And this year's Olympics obviously has been postponed and there's a large poten- uh, potential of it not going ahead again next year. Um, can you imagine what athletes are going through who had qualified for the Olympics and not, not the uncertainty around surrounding it? Well, the worst thing, and I know from um, the guys on the judo perspective kind of things, um, it'd be fine if you qualified. That's the easy part done. They're still in the midst of their qualification period. They need the next year. They need it to be able to continue to be able to qualify. With judo, it is one, it is one of the last sports to finish their qualification period. So it's a, a, lot, of, um, a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, um, waiting around so that's that's essentially extended by year so i would not want to be in their shoes because you just like again like i said before you want to get things over and done with you want to confirm things you want to move on you want to be able to just focus on preparing so i would not want to be in their position right now major wrestling debut in 2016 uh tell us what went through your mind in regards to that change from judo to professional wrestling how did that come about um, I, I guess I got, I got a few, um, when, even with come to the day of debut, um, 
I guess a few people maybe not didn't quite understand. Even for me, then it was a, a nerve wracking thing. Like I know I've been out in crowds and stuff like that and done all that stuff before, but um, I feel that if you don't um, feel nerves or anything beforehand, you should be stopping whatever you're doing because it shows that you don't have a degree of, I guess a certain degree of care. Um, and if you don't have that, you're not going to want to perform at your absolute best. So to know that I was nervous for my first match was a reassuring thing that I was making the right decision that I wanted to do well and what I was doing. Um, the lead up to the match itself at MCW, um, uh, it's a bit of a weird story. I've, I have a much different kind of entry into re- uh, professional wrestling than a lot of other people do. Um, I actually starts back after the Com Games, um, 2014. Um, uh, what friend of the show, Joel Bateman? Um, we actually go back to um, Adelaide. So, I, for whilst I was still in Adelaide, um, training for judo and stuff like that, we actually worked in the same food court together. So. He worked at Subway, I worked at KFC and Rundle Mall. And um, I'd go visit him every day for lunch. And then the one day um, the subject of wrestling came up and um, we knew a mutual person um, that did judo and wrestling as well. Um, and they were actually going to be on the same show together in on a, on a card in 2009 for a a company called ICW, I believe it was, I think it was independent championship wrestling. I, I've got vague memories of, I know Al Snow was on it. Um, and Chris Masters, um, and a few other like South Australian wrestlers that have been around for, for some time. Um, and I, what, uh, and he took me to an event. Um, yeah, took me to that event. I watched them. I watched them, uh, my first ever, that was actually my first ever independent, um, not even independent first actual live wrestling show I've seen. So um, got to experience that for the first time. And we stayed in contact after that. I'd moved to Melbourne and I, a few years later, I didn't I realise that he had moved as well. After the Commonwealth Games, Joel messaged me and wanted, asked me if I wanted to be involved in um, at a show at NAW that he was booking for at the time. So it's New Age Wrestling for those um, that don't understand. And um, wanted me to make an appearance. And me being you know the lifelong wrestling fan that I was, I jumped at the opportunity and... Uh, yeah, came in um, and that started um, my relationship with Fox, um, Funtime Phil, also also known as. Um, I, I came out at the start of one event, um, a bit of a parade for my, for my medal that had won the Commonwealth Games and he interjected and slapped me and ran off. And then later on, when it, whilst he was having a match, um, it was with, I believe it was on one side, it was Fox, Adam Brooks, Kellyanne versus Minzy Montana, um, Simon Monroe and Judd Newman, uh, rest in peace. Um, and at the end of the match, uh, Fox had come, it was about to uh, hit Siren with the chair and I made my entrance and stole the chair from him and um, threw him with a Harai Goshi, which allowed Siren to uh, make the pin. So from there, pretty much I made a few more appearances at NAW Wolf's um, job and Sean Horns were, I, I think, believe they were, they were the, um, the bookers at the time. 
And I think after they had stopped their involvement, I kind of um, stopped my involvement until I, they joined up at Platinum Wrestling. Um, now, whilst this whole thing period is going on, I'm doing full-time judo and everything at the same time. So I'm not readily, readily available. Um, I'm just coming in and just slotting in when I can. Um, and that, I hadn't done a day of wrestling training at this point. <laughs> um, that, so the, what people need to realise with that whole period there, Joel and Sean had the biggest trust in me to um, take care of people when I essentially didn't know what I was doing. I, I understand in terms of biomechanics, how to throw people around very well. But um, still then, it's even for the wrestlers and that that were, um, you know, working with me at the time, for them to trust me to put their bodies in my hands was um, a pretty big ask, I think. I don't know if people even put that much thought or consideration into it. But yeah, it's, I don't think, or even people, I don't think realise at the time what um, I actually hadn't, hadn't done. So um, it kind of came to a point at, whilst I was at Platinum, um, I knew if I was going to, actually start considering take it seriously and not just keep i was at the time i i you know would say it was the king of the run-ins the the, the, <laughs> the spoil so all i do was just come in and just beat people up and leave so i actually hadn't had a match at that point so um one after one show uh jxt actually came up to me and um said yeah it's enough time enough stuffing around mate you know what you got to do and I was very, I'm very, um, I was very well researched into the scene before I even got involved. I'm always making sure I'm prepared in certain ways. So um, was very aware of Vicious Pursuit, um, where um, at the time, um, uh, yeah, I believe was most probably the, the best school for for me to begin. Um, the reputation of Carlo Cannon precedes himself, and um, I went down there for a tryout, and I was training sporadically from 2015 at Vicious Pursuit um, until um, after I retired from judo in 2016. I started training there full time, I think, I believe May of 2016 to where I made my debut in September. I think that was, I think that was my first match in September. I don't even know how, what I've, when or what I've been doing things. I think I came in and did a, um, a promo segment at um, Melbourne City Wrestling in August um, and then having my first match against El Brutal on, in September at Cage Warfare. Um, it's fair to say we don't have a lot of six foot five wrestlers in this country. Um, no. Carlo must have been really excited when you walked in for your tryout. I think so. Uh, uh, the, be the best thing that I think really found with Carly what really benefited me is that um, he understood um, the uniqueness of what I kind of offered and he identified a few things that I was able to do and then put, was able to put a wrestling spin and take on it. So a, a big um, thing that I tried to focus on um, for the beginning of my career and to make, to help myself stand up, out was making i guess judo for wrestling so a lot of the things i can do in judo isn't necessarily most um it's it is still very very visually spectacular but um but for in context of wrestling um there always needs to be a bigger degree to it so like even when we 
um, when we strike, sell, or do moves, it has to be a bit larger than life so that you know more audience members can obviously see it. So um, we work together on a lot of things to make a few things that would seem that seems mon- maybe a bit mundane to me in terms of what I've come from and to what I think is crazy, but he could identify that knows this is different and this will make people um, react. So um, it was yeah, a really, a really good match. And uh, yeah, even to this day still um, helps me out on those kind of things as well. Like we said, it's, it's, it's really good. Yeah. Carlo's got a really good mind for, um, uh, for, uh, mentality and for the way the way he sees a match before it's going to happen and sees what people are going to be able to bring to the table and then bring out the best in them. What's the uh, what was the hardest part coming from a competitive uh, combat sport to a cooperative sport? Yeah. Um, what was the hardest part to get your head around? Um, uh, the hardest part and even. Um, still now is that at the, at the beginning was a lot of letting just peeling back the curtain, but letting my opponent um, take the fall. So we've obviously with judo and um, things of grappling nature, um, you're always in control. So it's, it's, it's my responsibility to even whilst in training, because the same thing happens. You throw each other a bunch and it's quite, if there is a degree of cooperation, but the person that is being thrown is pretty much just like a, just a body bag. So you, uh, they are putting their response, you know, their faith in you to make sure they get over, but they also do not assist in the matter other than this physically being there. So it's up to you to do the rest and to guide them through and everything like that. So wrestling, obviously where, um, and I guess that's sometimes a struggle for me or like in terms of communication of setting up matches and everything like that, I have to explain certain manoeuvres to people instead of like, okay, I don't, pretty much I say, don't help. Just let me do it. So that's, that's um, I guess, and, that, and, for, and that's where it makes me maybe a little bit awkward to work with on certain things because that's so against the, that's the opposite mentality of what wrestling is or like, you know, how it's taught and, and everything like that. Not very often where it's, it's, yeah, it's the person that takes um, a move or something like that. It's generally them that's doing it all, not the opposite of me doing everything. So, you, and we'll, I was going to say, have you okay. found yourself in any situation where that natural judo mentality of yours has wanted to kick in during a match, but you've had to pull back? Have you found yourself in a situation where you were going to, <sighs> to be quite honest, I don't think anyone's actually pushed me to that kind of a uh, no, position. Yeah, no, that's, that's so cool. I, I, I'm, more, I'm more than welcome it, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, they'll find out very quickly if they if that's happened. So everything's been pretty um, calm at the moment, I guess. And, you'd I, say. and I think you've won every singles match that you've been in, except for, and I call bullshit on this one. Fun time, Phil. MCW 100. You were robbed. Yeah, well, I'm very surprised you've actually done your research, Tony. I don't think your your reputation is actually um, not doing you service right at the moment because from from everything I've heard from you, um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say you're the most on the professional side, but it's, I'm very happy to see that you've actually done your work on this because... Um, well, I'm just very happy to have you on the show for a change. <laughs> 
Yeah, hard. well, that's, that's good. That's, it's, it's good I'm getting the respect I deserve because, um, yeah, I, oof, I, was, I, was, I was more than prepared to give a verbal serving if um, that was not the case. So, no, no, no. I was I was so. Done my work. Yeah, no, that's I'm sure you'll fuck up later. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm the gun's loaded. Don't worry. But uh, that, that's exactly right. I've actually, um, if you were actually to put it on paper um, in a singles competition, I've only lost once, and that was not to exactly um, proper circumstances. Let's say no, in no. front of a big crowd of the. At uh, MSAC, it was just the the largest wrestling crowd I've ever been in. It was yeah. um, another another embarrassing defeat for me in my career. So I've lost to a lot of in front of a lot of people, millions of people around the world. But uh, that's the first time in the wrestling world that I've lost to that many people. So that one's done. Yeah, I wasn't at that show, so it didn't happen. Um, I, I recently we've seen um, some judo competitors uh, wrestling in big promotions in America, mostly female ones in Ronda Rousey and um, Tayanara Conti, both, <laughs> both with the judo background. Have you enjoyed watching them use judo moves on a big stage? Um, I feel like they've actually have held back too much. Um, one thing I found um, early on um, I try, there was a, there was a period there where I tried to become too pro wrestling and I, um, I had someone say to me, I think it might've been even been Joel, um, that said to me, like, what am I doing? I'm trying to take the thing that's so unique about me and kind of kill it a little bit. Um, and you know, I need to return to that. Um, I guess it's a visceral kind of, feel and look when I, especially I do some of um, my judo techniques where it doesn't necessarily look like it's going to be safe, flat, like most um, wrestling moves are. And um, I feel like I, I felt he was, he was right. He, um, I had stepped away from that and really tried to um, pro wrestle fire myself, I guess you say. So from some of the things I think I've seen some of those girls do, um, I feel like they, like it's a big for me to talk because I'm nowhere near as successful as either of those two, but um, I, I feel like they can um, exhibit a lot more than um, what they've shown so far. But like I said earlier, in terms of uh, of the worker kind of relationship there, because it is so opposite to what most are used to, I can understand why a lot would be unwilling to take because I've, I've done stuff in training and stuff like that where, you know, as you know, to show that, you know, is this possible or something like that? And even though those who are quite in the know and understand wrestling and stuff like that, even when they watched that, they thought I was legit hurt, hurting the other person. That's because of, I guess, the, the momentum, speed and everything like that. So it's a hard thing to get around to, like I said, especially to, get people to trust you to take some of these things because they, uh, they don't look very safe at times. Uh, um, and sometimes you, it's just the way that nature things are. They aren't always safe and not in terms of um, a perfect landing, I guess you would say they'll always land and they'll always be safe, but it's just, yeah, maybe not as comfortable as they expect. Yeah, like Ronda Rousey's uh, some of her throws on pay-per-view 
they don't look like pro wrestling throws. They yeah, it's, that's, uh, what, uh, that's what gets people excited. It is so different, and it looks vicious and scary. Yeah, it's exactly. It's, it's, it, there's an intensity to it that you can't fake. Um, the big, uh, the big one. I think I remember her doing um, uh, what it's actually known to as uh, Taya Toshi. I think she would hold on to the arm and she would throw over yes. her leg over and over again. That's uh, a Alexa? big one. Um, yeah, that's. I, and yeah. I believe that may have caused an injury. I may it might have been responsible for a concussion, from what my memory. Um, yeah, I, look, said I, that's. I look, I, I can't comment too much, but that's something that might be down to a mutual understanding that what needs to be done to take that properly, I guess you would say. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes they train the uniqueness out of wrestlers. Yeah. Well, um, like it's amazing to me that the, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm cutting in on someone's question later already because I'm already expecting it, but uh, bad news Brown, um, again, a bronze Olympic bronze medalist in judo, never relied on those credentials whatsoever in, in his those entire peak of his career. Yeah. The ghetto, the ghetto blaster, the yeah. finishing move, the kick to the head. Um, and he's one of the greatest um, American heavyweights of all time in judo. I, I, I don't, I, he might be the only, that was, that was my division as well. The same division plus 100 kilos. Um, I could be wrong, but I dare say he's their, their only Olympic medalist um, in that division. And a guy that has, you know, used to train at, I believe it was Tokai University, one of the hardest and most revered um, universities in Japan and just, um, just like ate it up. He, he loved it and like he survived it all from a constant basis. So a tough guy, like I'd been, been there a few times, a fair few times and I got murdered there sometimes. So someone that anybody that thrived there is doing, um, is a, is a tough dude and for him to completely reinvent himself and almost use none of that. I've heard stories like I guess everyone has in where he's just decided to pull it out in matches and pull out the whole, um, I guess, uh, Gokyo or like, so that's like as in the whole textbook of judo of what every throw there is and pull it off, but never really exhibited that on a mainstream level is quite astounding. And to, to see that he, um, had the same, you know, massive level of success without having to rely on those things. So is your finishing move the flying foreskin based on any judo move? The, the what? Well, I did stop my getting your questions off. Stop getting your questions off Wikipedia. Well, I was doing my research and it says your finishing move is the flying foreskin on Wikipedia. Oh, that must have been a, a recent update, as you know, or if you <laughs> did know, because you are the professional that you are, that Wiki. Wikipedia is open to being edited by anybody of um, and then any it does preface it, so. it does preface it by saying that it's in reference to your head, which is a little bit disappointing. It's on Wikipedia. I'm not just saying you. it. It's there. Have you had oh. your pills? <laughs> you almost made the whole interview, Tony, without doing it. Yeah, oh, it's, oh, so I, close. It was, someone needs someone needs to change that. I've I've, I've heard um. Attempted humour before, but like, yeah, I've that never had to really had something. That was, it's actually there. It's actually there. Tony, there you go. Tony, he's six foot five and has fought at the Olympics. Hang on, I'm just do you want to? Do you want to pick this fight? 
So I see you got some. So I don't think many people would call you out on chain, but are those cauliflower ears, I believe? Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah, not, not many people know what cauliflower ears, but do you know what they say about uh, what well, we used to say when we used to go to training camps and we'd suss out um, all the competition on the mats and we'd look for the guys in the meanest cauliflower ears. And, but then, you know, it took us a while, you know, a while to realise that the actual tough ones were the ones without them because they didn't get touched. <laughs> yeah, so okay. um, if that gives you any indication, <laughs> no, yeah, that puts I'll, me straight back in my box. Thank you. Yeah, very good. Yeah, that was very disrespectful, Tony. Professional <laughs> using Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Well, if you if, if you use on the internet to get you information completely, you'll see that even on the first Google search, it says I'm from Claremont, in Australia, which is completely wrong. So, <laughs> <laughs> um. One question that did come through um, when we put out the call for questions was from Chris Kamane, who wants you to talk about your love of Mike Orson. Yeah, this is, um, I, I don't know, I guess the, you know, how many people are there that don't like him. Um, he is, I guess, what you'd say I'd use as a blueprint as for myself in wrestling. And they say um, you inadvertently... Um, take on um, attributes from your favorite wrestlers when you, when you do wrestling just by, I don't know, I don't know like an osmosis kind of thing that you, um, you know, like, you know, who is your favorite, you know, like, I guess the best example I can think of off the top of my head, like Adam Brooks, I guess you'd say with Jeff Hardy, his favorite wrestlers, Jeff Hardy, then Swan Tom Bomb, all that kind of stuff. Not, it's not necessarily just a move, but it's even in attitude or aggression or something like that. And um, I think um, the big thing, I've taken away from Mike Awesome um, is, I guess, like I said, explicitly funny for his intensity and viciousness. Um, watching him the, for the very first time was is one of the few times in my life that just by watching how violent something is, it makes me burst out laughing because you just, it's unbelievable that someone is capable of doing that to another human being. So where you just have nothing to do but laugh at like the fact that that person is taking this kind of abuse. So I've really tried to take that on and exhibit that in what I do, I guess you say. So, um, uh, but also just in terms of the specimen, like the guy's the same, I think what in the, in the theme song, six hook six, angry and mean living, breathing, war machine. Um, Similar size, but he of how athletic he that he is, um, is astounding. I I can't imagine um, doing springboard, um, shoulder blocks, um, frog splashes um, at that size, and the weight that he was carrying around is insane, absolutely insane. My first ever, contrary to you know what most people first experience, like awesome. I actually first saw him against DDP. Um, in WCW, um, and in terms of what uh, was it, Great American Bash 2001, maybe I could be wrong. Um, Sounds about right. I think it was an ambulance match or something like that. Um, yeah, the the Mark Austin we see there is obviously a much more watered down one than you see in ECW. But even then, you could tell like what that guy was capable of, and that's always really stuck with me. Um, and that's what so I want to make sure. Um, I continue to do is yeah, just have that kind of level of um, intensity and viciousness that um, 
that people remember and they can see that it's just when you see it, it's so visceral. And I think that's what gets um, a reaction out of people to a certain degree. So, you know, I've got any a, fan questions, yeah. Oh, no, I've got one. I've got one. Yeah, I've got one of my own. Um, a gold medal in the Olympics or main event WrestleMania? Ooh. Ooh. So here's, here's the part of the story I didn't really get to. Um, I've touched on it briefly before. Um, and yeah, maybe like not, people maybe not fully understand. Like I, I feel like I've had a stigma of like, um, of getting into pro wrestling just because I was, you know, like a lot of athletes do, they get into it just, they think because it's the quick money shot, you know, it, it bypassed a lot of the paying the dues and all that kind of things like that. But, um, uh, a thing I used to say when I was quite young is that um, one day I'll make the Olympics so it would be easier for me to get hired in professional wrestling by you know, WWE. And, um, and the day when I actually made the Olympic team, I've gone, oh, shit, I've got a <laughs> promise to keep to my you know, nine-year-old self. So that's a big um, motivating factor of why I even came over to pro wrestling in the first place because I made my, a promise to my childhood self and if I didn't, I knew if I never had come good on that, I would have um, hated myself for it. So, yeah, um, it's hard. It, that's a real hard one to say. And most probably may, may laugh at me, but I might even say main event over the gold medal. It makes sense now because the judo part of your life's behind you. So to say main event WrestleMania, well, you're still involved in wrestling. Makes sense to me. Yeah, like I said, it's most probably the opinion the opinion I'd give now. Um, but like I said, God, there's, that's a it's a even though there's only a few to that list that can say um, main event WrestleMania, um, the list is still pretty small for gold medal Olympics as well. And both both are most motivating as well because they'd be the first Australian either way. So hmm. yeah, that's. Um, I'll say it because we're on a wrestling podcast. <laughs> uh, WrestleMania for now. Um, you're heavily involved down at the MCW Academy now. Yes. And um, doing some training of the, of the next generation of, of wrestlers in the country. Um, it's, it's a great opportunity for wrestlers to get trained in grappling by someone like yourself. How do you find training genuine techniques to these guys? How receptive are they? Um, well, generally, if you're coming as a, um, well, the people that we're intaking, are, they're blank slates. So it's a lot easier when they have no information already programmed into them. So um, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot more opportunity to make um, good habits. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, uh, what's the the goal behind of what I try and teach um, at the academy with um, my grappling lessons is um, uh, we all come to professional wrestling from all different you know lifestyles and creeds, and you know some people have never been athletic in their life, and they're trying to take up something that's um, you know. I, I guess we say it's, 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 it's a contest. Some people have never been in a contest in their life, have been in a fight in their life. 
So one thing I really try and make sure that is experienced and understood is um, that fight feel, that fight, um, um, what's the fight or flee kind of situation. So I'm not saying I, um, I'm going in there and beating the crap out of people just and like, yeah, lesson learned, but um, it's uh, getting people into the situation of like, of being, say being in a fight or being in an uncomfortable situation because how are you able to present something that is, um, that is, that is a fight when you've never been in one. So, um, that's something I really, I think I, that's almost the most important thing. If that, you know, you, if you can take away from those lessons, um, you know, you've obtained something that's really useful. Um, once it's maybe not exactly what people, People think what I might be teaching, they're just expecting to learn all kind of different suplexes and um, judo throws and all that kind of the nature. But the big thing I like to focus on as well is um, just the mechanics behind um, of how the human body works in terms of um, you know, how to lift people. Because um, in terms of career longevity, by doing um, techniques wrong for a long period of time, you're going to run into some injuries. And um, I hate seeing techniques be done um, by, you know, if, if, if you can't do a technique correctly at any kind of state, so, you know, if you're fresh, you've still got plenty in the tank, you should be able to still be able to do the same technique to the same degree later on in the match, um, dead, because not only is it going to be safer for you, but you need to be able to, um, look after your opponent. So, um, so a big thing is just learning how to, it's almost like learning how to walk again by weight placement um, and how to bend at your knees pretty much. So uh, and that's a big thing I focus on as well. And I noticed uh, you had an exchange on Twitter with um, a American wrestler, Casanova Valentine. And um, he was talking about wanting to learn grappling and even from experienced guys, um, I feel like they could get something from working with you, like for that unique perspective. Well, the thing, like if, if I can, um, if I can take on and learn a lot from, you know, learning from professional wrestling, I think it's vice versa. Um, and I think that's a big thing that's missed these days. And like, I, I guess it's a common subject that's come up in this um, interview is um, the, the visceral kind of feel the, 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 the big, the fight you get, like where there's intention behind everything that you do, there's, um, a degree of um, not knowing what's actually going to happen. It's 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 a, a primal kind of feeling. It's like I said when P two people get uh, in the cage for an MMA fight, there's a um, something in the air that that you know things could change and happen at any moment. So having that kind of um, aggression and, and um, intensity. Um, and having those implemented into techniques and um, understanding how the human body works and how to, um, what to do when you're put in certain situations, I think can really help. Definitely. Um, now, Tony, you can throw to your listener questions. Lyle, do you have any listener questions? Uh, no, I've actually got one more of my own first. Oh. Um, you, you know, Lyle, 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 hang on, wait, wait. You know you're allowed to ask these earlier in the interview. You don't have to wait. I'm acting as a listener person. Okay. I'll be the listener questions for myself. Um, while I was doing some of my research, not from Wikipedia, 
Yeah, I come across a couple of videos of you uh, throwing choke slams during judo matches. Ah, uh, uh, two thousand and six. <laughs> um, was that your first uh, wrestling pop? Because the crowd absolutely lost their minds. After yeah, that. Um, that is. I guess if you're going to say that's actually my first wrestling debut, I guess you'd say um, that was. Uh, that's. I guess my little mystery viral. That was. I oh, was not super viral, but that went viral on judo forums back in the day. And I ran a little experiment um, not too long ago by posting on my socials again to see if it garnered the same reaction. So um, when that video first made its rounds many years ago, um, it was seen as a disgusting display of, um, I guess you'd say power or just um, being a, being a bully um, (coughs) in a, in a combat sport, which I'm so anybody that, um, can actually compete and has actually done anything in the sport would say it's fine. But uh, those, I guess you'd say the keyboard warriors or um, the dorks, I'd say the carded dorks, <laughs> I, I like to say, um, they think it's disgusting and against the tradition of judo, tradition can go stick it for all I'm concerned. Tradition doesn't win medals. So, um, but, uh, but it's, yeah, it's pleasing to see that, oh, I think almost 10 years, 12 years later, that it got the exact same kind of situation. And, um, yeah, just people wanting me to die over doing something that was completely legal. So I won the match. But, um, yeah, it's uh, to describe it to those at home, it's a slam dunk with a human body. So <laughs> it, I watched it a couple of times because I did enjoy it. But the first time, it was confronting. It was violent. It was scary. <laughs> exactly the points I was making before. That's uh, that's what I want to bring to the table. Um, to kind of kill my own um, presentation, I've what wrestling is able to do for me is able to present a side of myself that um, I don't think I really have the opportunity to do it because I've always being a mild-mannered, um, I guess you'd say, gentle giant. Um, and I feel like that has um, cost me in a lot of ways in terms of even success in judo because I did not um, maintain enough prick inside of me to um, really break through to the next level that I would have liked to. Um, and also in terms of how people have treated me because they've taken my kindness as weakness and knowing things as you get older and mature that um, there was no need for that whatsoever. So with wrestling, I'm able to um, take the personality that I, has been beaten down and hidden inside me. Um, bubbling under the surface. The bubbling under the surface and let it come out. Um, yeah. The question I'm going to ask to that, though, is is that has that allowance of that personality that you show in wrestling, is that restricting you from probably going as far as you can go in wrestling because it's typecasting you as a particular sort of wrestler? I don't think so. Um, I guess, like I said, people won't find out until they step right in front of me. And I don't think I'd, you'd say... Until we experience the ride, don't talk shit about it. How, so, would, um, how would the Bundy tights have gone in judo? Bundy tights? Um, well, they're very, um, they're not restricting. 
um, yeah, a lot more movement. I think I would, I would have been, um, you know, I didn't have to worry about tying up my pajamas every two seconds. What happens in judo? So um, I think I would have preferred it to be honest. I've got a listener question from uh, Twitter from oh, Ghost finally. in the Machine. He wants to know: <laughs> Did you receive any backlash from your mates moving into a legitimate sport of pro wrestling? Um, no, I, I would say that not, nothing um, directly to my face. Sure, there was plenty behind my back. Um, <laughs> and there's still some now that maybe you support, but I know they're taking the piss. Uh, and like I said before, I guess being taking, um, people taking my kindness as weakness and um, that sort of things. Like, uh, you would... Um, You'd say that, sorry, so I'm just trying to think of a way to put into words. Um, listen, it's really just, it's all, I guess, behind my back. Well, a big thing that I've noticed and the big difference um, in terms of, I guess you'd say, social medias is that everything I built up whilst in my judo career um, and then when switching over to wrestling, there was almost a night and day difference in terms of what things, what tr things get traction. Um, I will post, you know, ever since I've been posting pro wrestling stuff, it doesn't quite get as much as what I was used to when I was a full-time um, judoka. Um, and I thought, you know, it's quite normal itself, maybe just how certain algorithms work and stuff like that. But whenever I find us to say, I might post a, um, a throwback or something like that to earlier days, um, all those people would turn up again because it's judo and not pro wrestling. So that's a bit of a weird thing to get used to because even though that, say um people haven't been direct about their um support like not supporting or anything like that um it really shows when you see things like that um but i guess those who are really being snarky um are most probably just jealous that they weren't able to accomplish some of the things i were and they didn't anyway so and i'm still able to do things that i really love to do at a level that I'm really proud of. So, Kevin Chiat asked a question and having been on the end of one of your comments <laughs> here just before, I sort of think I know the answer. How did you become the best shit poster in Australian wrestling? It seems like it's pretty natural to you. Oh, yes. Um, and you, so for those listening, you'd be um, maybe upset to know that I hold back extremely <laughs> on what I'm on what I'm actually capable of um, because I'm actually such a professional and I keep things to a degree that is um, socially acceptable. I had my little fun. I might dip my toe in the deep end at times, but I know when to reel it back. But um, yeah, if, if the gloves were off, uh, people would see a few more different things. I, um, uh, I'd pay to see that. Long time user. Yeah, well, you won't see it. Um, <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, I've been a lot quieter than usual because generally anyone that's stepped up to the plate has failed miserably. Either by not even be able to respond for my first jab back or, um, yeah, just, just not acknowledging what I had to say. So, um, yeah, so I'm welcoming all 
all comers. If you want to come and try and um, interact with me, I'm sure I'll put you in your place um, and I will be the funniest person doing it. So, Yeah, a word of warning for anyone who wants to try. It's tough. Um, so Nick Collette asks on Twitter, hey, Jake, can we be best no. friends? No. <laughs> I hope that answers it, Nick. <laughs> I think it did. Sorry, no, right. you have to look somewhere else. Jake, we've really enjoyed our time with you. Thank you so much. I can't believe that's the first time we've had you on in three years, but it's uh, been well worth the wait. Because <laughs> every time I've been about to get Jake, about to ask Jake, someone else has got him on their podcast and I've had to put it back. But this has been amazing. Well, I thought I'd, uh, it might be because of you know how approachable I am, and I thought you might have. Um, Maybe not have the goals to finally get it out of your mouth. So yeah, well, good to see that it's only taken you three years to. We've been protecting to... Tony from you. <laughs> yeah. So you've all grown a spine, boys. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. And congratulations. Um, <laughs> well, you notice we've had so we to. Blame we haven't really grown a spine. We've done it when we have to do it via the internet with COVID, not in person. Yeah, not the studio. Yeah. It's a very good point. Yeah, it was, yeah, three against one. I like those odds. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. And Tony said he needed more time to do research, so we gave him more time. Oh, well, I was expecting the absolute worst. So other than that non-joke that occurred earlier, I'm very, um, very pleasantly surprised because, geez, I had something lined up and I didn't get a chance to do it. But too bad. Maybe next time? That's okay. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jake. Look forward to seeing you at a wrestling promotion, hopefully, in the next couple of months. You will. Jake Androth joining us here on the Turnbuckle. And welcome back. Second part of the show. This week's show is brought to you by Viper Landscapes and Irrigation in Melbourne. They are taking appointments for the 28th of September. You can find them on Facebook and there is a link in the episode notes. Hey boys, uh, we're all for supporting local businesses post the COVID restrictions, especially any of our wrestlers who are out there who have their own business as their day job and the like. If you'd like us to promote you, all you need to do is hit us up on our social medias and we would be more than happy to do that, providing you're sincere and genuine and you're not trying to set me up like Wikipedia was. Um, no, and look, Viper Landscaping and Irrigation is, is owned by Freddie Gold, um, who's a Melbourne wrestler. And um, I reckon it's really important when things start to open up that maybe some of the things you would have done for yourself, like, your garden or wash your car and things like that. It might be worthwhile for the first few months, you know, paying some businesses to do that sort of stuff. I know that um, it's something I'm going to probably be doing mostly because I'm lazy um, is getting the car detailed and getting the garden done and the house clean, just help people get back to work. Yeah, we've got a garden. You live in a housing commission flat. What sort of garden have you got? <laughs> well, I've got the, um, I've got the plants, Tony. Oh, 
got the, got the pots on the windows. I don't think you'd be getting anyone to manicure your plants. You do that quite nicely yourself. You're probably not no, even real. Tony, look, I don't think it's funny to joke about commission housing. That's a pretty... No, I'm not. I'm just saying you've got no garden. I do have a garden. Just a small garden. And you'll have an even better one when the gardener's back to work. I will, because the grass is pretty long. <laughs> Waste time. <laughs> now, Welshy, we've noticed... We've noticed you going down Media Street. We warned everyone about this about? last week. He's got pretty big for his boots, hasn't he, Lyle? Oh, mate. Did he mention either one of us in the uh, wrestling no. map article that got released? I didn't uh, even mention myself. No, nah, he was mentioned everywhere. Uh, it just says on the table. Welshy buckle. everywhere. Welshy everywhere is what people <laughs> Hashtag are Hashtag that. Me. Yeah, I didn't good. even. Well, I did that interview as on the turnbuckle. I scrolled not through the article, myself. Tony. There's a photo of him, not even our logo. <laughs> Just a photo of him. Yeah, and he had a better haircut than he has now, so it's an older photo. Uh, to, to be to be fair, um, they didn't even put that up. I had to actually then contact them and get them to repost the articles. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. I but so want to say, great article, well done, but I just can't. It actually no, was what? really. Look, no, it was really good. They fixed what I said, that's for sure. It was actually <laughs> came up pretty well. I saw, I saw the proof. You're right. Uh, well done, mate. Good work. Hey, see, I, I managed to put Royce over. That, that was my only goal. You, uh, you spoke quite well for Australian wrestling. Well done. Uh, AEW boys hitting a million viewers. Nice work. Yeah, being uh, unopposed to uh, NXT being on Tuesday nights, it's, um, you know, Probably picked up a few of their wrestling fans. Um, they would have done well in the over 50s this week, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, did they go head-to-head in an NBA, with an NBA game for that one? No, day? I don't no. think so. You know, so, but breaking a million, yeah, that's just good for all of us. We want these wrestling companies on TV. Like we mentioned last week, we hope NXT stays on uh, Tuesday nights to not split the audience. Like, a, well, you assume it has. So, AEW keep hitting over a million. That's, uh, if they keep hitting over a million, I can guarantee NXT aren't changing their day. <laughs> no, no, you're probably <laughs> right. You're probably right. Um, but, no, it's good. Good milestone uh, for those guys. And, you know, their weekly TV's been pretty good uh, the last few weeks. And I wonder how many of those million viewers were Rusev uh, followers. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's good to see Miro make his appearance with AEW. I was big on at the time of release that he would be a, he could be a game changer if he's used properly. So hopefully he's not used too much in a comedy comedy type role. But um, I feel like he can be a, a huge player. He's a really good wrestler. Yeah, I think if he can bring some of that intensity that he came. To WWE with and get away from that comedy. I, I think you can be. Um, uh, I think there's got to you got to draw the balance. I think he can do the intensity, um, but I still think he can also do the Rusev Day type thing where like he, he can the yeah stuff. he can get over because yeah. he's a he's an entertaining guy. Um, yeah. I guess sometimes the challenge can be to find that balance. Yeah. Um, but look, he's come in. He, I think. He's come in as the best man. He'll be fun-loving. And I think then maybe there'll be a, a flick of the switch and he might 
he might turn on poor Kip Sabian. Yeah, so we're going to get the the fun and entertaining stuff early on, and then fingers crossed. He, uh, it means he's got. It means he's got the ability to have really long, successful runs because you know he can do that intense heel work. Yeah. But then you also know that he's got a run in him as a baby face who's entertaining, and he can. He can for years. He can switch between the two. Hopefully, not as often as Big Show switches. Well, uh, he switches and switches without switching. Actually, Tony, Tony, just before you move on, yeah. speaking of Big Show, are you okay? Because um, your favourite show was cancelled off Netflix. Yeah, the Big Show show. I seriously haven't watched it since episode one. <laughs> You've been saving them so you could binge watch two seasons at a time. I get it, but yeah, you're not going to be able to do it now. And, and no one's surprised, are they? Surely, I am. I actually enjoyed it. Oh, oh <laughs> please! They're going to do a Christmas special. Oh no! Uh, New Japan <laughs> Wrestling announces their groups for the G1 Climax. Yeah, interesting way to say it, Tony. Um, yeah, the G1 starts this weekend. Um, block A and Block B have been released. Who wins for you, some, uh, Sorry? Who wins? Uh, I think they're going to go with Akata. Going to get him back up in that uh, title Too picture. Soon. Yeah, probably. Oh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm on Team Sonata. Yeah, again? Yeah. Jack Sabre Jr. for me. No, you got his name Who? right. Who? Jack Sabre Jr. I've got uh, Zach Sabre Jones written down here, Tony. <laughs> um, the one Jack of Jones. only, the the one of only two vegan wrestlers in the world as him, uh, still, him still and Richie life. Taylor. <laughs> him and Richie no. Taylor, as for you, Tony, they're only vegan wrestlers. Um, Block A is is, is stacked. Um, you know, Jay White and Offspray, uh, obviously be able, being able to get into the country with their travel. Fans being, um, there's restrictions being a little bit eased. Uh, Jeff Cobb being over there. Um, yeah, it's going to be some really good matches. I'm hoping what fans they can have can have a really good atmosphere. The G1 is normally great matches night after night. They're going a little bit different. Uh, it's only four or five matches per show, I think, with three or four of the block matches and one of the young lines, so it's not going to be uh, a marathon. And Yano. And Yano. <laughs> and Yano. Uh, I was like, it's a stacked, stacked tournament. And Yano. <laughs> well, you've got to have the comedy. Everyone has to have their night off match because it is a grueling uh, tournament. You know, these, these guys are trying to have four-star, five-star matches every night. Um, my, my issue with calling Yano's matches a comedy is that he's not funny. Uh, it's a be either beholder, isn't it? The eye of the beholder. beholder. People think Tony's funny. No, they don't. Uh, but they who doesn't think J- Tony's funny, Jake Andrew Arthur. Uh, you were going <laughs> so well in that interview, Tony. Going so no, well. It happens. Going so well. It happens. Usually, actually, hey, usually it happens at the start. So yeah, it does. I know. <laughs> I did. I did well to last that long. Hey, guys, WWE and tag teams, what's going on there? They seem to have really dropped the ball. Well, they seem to have broken them all up. <laughs> <laughs> they broke up Sasha and Bailey. They broke up the Iconics. They broke up 
Um, they broke up Andrade's team. They broke up Seth and Buddy today. Um, they sacked the authors of pain. Uh, I don't even think they've got any tag teams left. Uh, it's, it's, the it's Viking really Raiders, big. one of them's injured. Well, yeah, he's having neck surgery, so that's a bit unlucky. Um, but, neck. yeah, Tony, you're brushing your hair? Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Sorry, I clearly have at, You could have done that at the sh- before the show, Boris. Uh, <laughs> midway through the show, you could just randomly brush your hair. Um, well, WWE's never been a... Uh, Tag I was filing my nails territory. earlier. Um, not on the show. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. I've seen a catwalk pass before. No, yeah, he's looking at me now. Not happy. Um, but WWE, they put tag teams together so they can break up. It's just <laughs> they all lined up in the same couple of weeks. Mm, it's interesting anyway because the other, the, the other show is all about tag teams and I feel like they've got nothing left in the whole company. It's just bizarre. All right, that's it. Let's go. Catch you later. Is it? Don't I have more? Uh, well, no. If you've got any ideas for a podcast, give us a yell. Tune in next week. That's what my rundown says. Yeah, why are you being such a pet? Such a he's trying to get. Brat? He, he's brushing his te- uh, brushing his hair during the pot. He's trying to get out of you. Are you going somewhere, Tony? Where are you going tonight? He's not allowed to. The curfew is in to. ten minutes. <laughs> you got a video podcast <laughs> you're doing after this, Tony? Are we ready? Can I go? Can you be professional and make it look like you want to do this show? I could just, how about, how professional is this?